0: You're listening to The Central Cast, recorded each week in front of a live audience in Glendale, California. Well, good morning, guys. It's good to see you all. I, um, of course, wanted to um, welcome you this morning to service at Central Avenue. And um, and as we're getting started, I wanted to remind you, of course, that we'll be taking communion together a little bit later in the service. So as we do that here, um, we'll use whatever elements you have around your house to take those together. So now's a great time to go grab whatever is gonna be your bread and uh, wine this morning. Uh, Could be coffee and donuts or uh, iced tea and Skittles or Cheez-Its and what other thing do you usually have going? T- Cheez-Its and some fancy tea on the, on the Waddell front. Um, always Cheez-Its. The drink, always cheez drink berries. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thanks again for being here. Um, this has been another interesting week as we, always seem to be having for the last year that we've been doing this. Um, Particularly in uh, light and response to the shootings that took place in Atlanta. And um, kind of the additional, I guess, putting on display of the long systemic issues that have plagued this country. And so this week we're reminded particularly of how that affects our brothers and sisters in the Asian American community. Um, And so we'll be uh, talking about and discussing that this week several times um, throughout our service. Um, But I have to tell you, I'm so thankful for this being a community where we come together and where we wrestle with some of the difficulties of this, where we look to take ownership of our own biases and the blindness that we have in our own lives and experiences. And so for this being a small church, um, a church that also has a lot of diversity within it, um, I want you to know I'm really proud of the ways that we respond. And um, and more than anything, I'm proud of the ways that this community grieves collectively. Um, so, thank you for helping to create and make Central Avenue Church um, what it is. Um, of course, as we are in March, in International Women's Month, um, uh, I wanted to share um, words not of just a white guy up here. So, um, as I open us in prayer, I wanted to um, share. Um, a prayer of um, two different women, Um, but uh, the large bulk of this is from uh, Laura Truman. Um, And as you open our services, would you join me together in prayer? God of love and justice and peace, this morning we pray that you would cover our Asian American friends with your peace that passes understanding May they know deep down in their bones that you are near them in their grief, in their anxiety, and in their anger. Give each of us courage, humility, and wisdom to know how to pursue justice and mercy, how to weep with those who weep. God of wholeness, knit your children together as a multicolored tapestry shining out the beauty of the gospel to an onlooking world. God, we're so tired. We want to do justice, but the work feels endless and the results look so small in our exhausted hands. We want to love mercy but our enemies are relentless. And it feels like foolishness is prioritized gentleness in this unbelievably cruel world. We want to walk humbly, but self-promotion is seductive. And we're afraid that if we don't look after ourselves, no one else will. We want to be kind, but our anger feels insatiable. Jesus, in this never-ending wilderness, come to us and grant us grace. Grant us the courage to keep showing up in impossible battles, trusting that it's our commitment to faithfulness and not our obsession with results that will bring your shalom. Grant us the vulnerability to risk loving our difficult and complicated neighbor, rejecting the lie that some people are made more in the image of God than others. Grant us the humility of a decentered but beloved self. As we continue to take the single step that is in front of us, Jesus keep us from becoming what we are called to transform. Protect us from using the empire's violence in our words, in our theology, in our activism, in our politics for your kingdom of peace. Keep our anger from becoming meanness. Keep our sorrow from collapsing into self-pity. Keep our hearts soft enough to keep breaking. Keep our outrage turned toward justice, not cruelty. Remind us that all of this, every bit of it is for love. Keep us fiercely kind. Amen. I wanted to share with us as um, a liturgy this morning. Um, First of all, as I was reading some things from Eugene Cho this week, um, I... I was struck by how quickly we talk about tragedies, but forget to um, name the victims and people who have been lost. And so I want to do that this morning, Um, read the names of uh, the victims of the shootings in Atlanta, Um, because in doing so, I think it allows us to step more personally into what grief and loss are. So, I'd like to share those names, followed by um, a brief prayer liturgy. Um, Generally speaking, against uh, racism and kind of embracing the anti racism that we hope to aspire to here at Central. God, we lift up a community grieving. Being your church, we grieve together. Particularly for these losses this week in Atlanta, as a reminder of the long struggle that our Asian American Pacific Islander brothers and sisters have wrestled and struggled with here. Brzioj wow. Tan, Daiou Feng, Quan Jung Grant, Sun Kim. Soon Park Yong Yu Delena Juan Paul Andre Michaels Holy One in your image you have created humankind in great diversity we give thanks for differences holy one in your image you have created humankind in great diversity we give thanks for the differences of culture and ethnicity of histories and life stories of skin color and language and hearts that love the world. We watch in horror as power desecrates the Asian American Pacific Islander community, walks on their sacredness, kills and subjugates in thousands of ways hidden and overt. We must not stop watching held back from right action by horror or seeming powerlessness. Grant us hearts that listen and learn, egos that are willing to accept when our own racism is called out. Grant us courage to disassemble the systems, the stories, the mythos that privilege whiteness over all others. Give us your Holy Spirit's wind to call out racism in all its forms, inside our hearts, inside the church, and in your world. Give us the strength, the wisdom, and the will to root out white fragility and white supremacy so that they will no longer do harm, no longer take away, no longer kill. Help us to be anti-racist in all that we say, in all that we do, in all that we are. It is time. It is well past time. God of all creation, bless us with all that we need to march on, to live this work of anti-racism today, every day, always. In Jesus' name, may it be. Amen. Thanks,
1: Bob. Um, as Bob mentioned, we will be uh, taking communion together if you're new around here what we do uh communion every week, we've decided to, can uh, continue taking communion through Lent, um, though that might be a little different depending on the tradition you come from. Um, it's one of our um, most powerful connecting points, um, both when we gathered in physically and especially now that we are gathering um, virtually. So um, please feel free, as Bob mentioned earlier, to grab um, something you just have around, um, anything that you have becomes um, holy or sacred as we put the labels on it um, through, through the acts. So there's no real magic in using those styrofoam wafers or uh, specific kinds of wine. Um, at least that's what we believe in our church. So um, before we take it, I wanna read a very short um, poem I'm reading by um, Kathleen Norris called Imperatives. Um, and then we'll take together. So um, let this be our, our preparation, um, our prayer as we um, prepare to take communion together. Hear these words. Look at the birds, consider the lilies, drink, eat all of it, ask, seek, knock, enter by the narrow gate, do not be anxious. Judge not. Do not give dogs what is holy. Go, be it done for you. Do not be afraid. Maiden, arise. Young man, I say arise. Stretch out your hand. Stand up. Be still. Rise. Let us be going. Love. Forgive. Remember me especially in times of uncertainty, in times of uh, mourning, in times of um, frustration and tension and injustice and lack of hope. And I know there's so much of those swirling around for so many of us. It, um, it helps me to remember just the simple um, imperatives that we find um, throughout scripture and throughout our tradition that help us remember what to focus on. So um, I'll post, I'll post those uh, that text in the in the chat so you can have it. But with that, I invite you um, to take your bread or your Cheez-Its or whatever it is you have, and I'll always feel free to share in the chat if you feel so led. Um, and on the night he was betrayed, Jesus broke bread in the upper room with his disciples and breaking the bread said, "This is my body broken for you each time you take this, do so in remembrance of me. I invite you to take whatever it is you have now and after dinner he took the cup and he poured the wine and he said this is the cup of a new covenant drink in remembrance of me so i invite you to do so always get stuck on those cheez-its May our hands and our lives um, be a benefit to our neighbors and those in need um, within this community and outside of this community. Amen.
2: Good morning, everybody. Um, I have a couple of things to do today. Uh, The first thing, Um, I'm gonna be doing announcements and I'm going to be reading a statement um, that we put out as a church this week. So I'm gonna go ahead and read that to you if you didn't get a chance to look at it on on Facebook or on our website. Recently, we have witnessed an increase in anti-Asian violence around the world. The leadership of Central Avenue Church wants to make sure that there is absolutely no confusion about our unwavering and unequivocal support for the Asian American Pacific Islander community. As an anti-racist church, we believe that hate and discrimination must never be excused. We believe we have a responsibility to create a community where all individuals from every background are respected, valued, and appreciated for the unique contributions and perspectives they bring to our community. So, and also in an effort to raise awareness, and we provided some resources on Facebook um, and uh, also on our website if you want to check those out. Um, so I'll go ahead and go to our announcements. So next, uh, Sunday is Palm Sunday. Um, and in the past we have had the kiddos walk down the aisle and wave their palms. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, and last year during lockdown, (laughs) we obviously couldn't do that. And we are not going to be able to do that again this year. But what we can do, um, is I have invited all the kiddos on zoom next week. So that they can wave their palms as we come into our Zoom chat. Um, And it's always a lot of fun because we miss their little faces. And um, it's so nice to see them. Um, And hopefully we can see everyone in person really soon. Um, But until then, uh, this is just a way for them to be involved. And so I invite you to bring your kiddos. And I will be sending out an email um, with a little craft uh, palm for all the kids. So that they can have one uh, for next week. Also, we have a Good Friday service um, coming up on Good Friday, and it will be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It'll be a very short service, but I encourage you to join us, and it'll be right here at the Zoom link.
3: Thanks, May. So does anybody have any prayer requests this morning, words of thanksgiving? Um, Now is the time that we share our joys and concerns as a spiritual family, and you can always unmute and raise your voice that way, or you can put it in the chat column if you're more comfortable doing that. But does anybody have anything they want to share this morning? Well, I know we've got a couple of requests from people in our community that aren't actually present here. Um, Abe um, is, uh, he has a family that's really involved with um, doing specifically, I think um, missions in Kenya that uh, dig wells, that kind of thing. And it came to his attention that there um, specifically are people that his family knows that are LGBTQ specifically I think transgender in Kenya that are facing discrimination and uh, various forms of real violence and uh, Abe has asked if we would keep them in prayer let's let's pray for those in Kenya, uh, both in Abe's family circle of, uh, of influence and outside But. Loving God, we lift up um, all our dear brothers and sisters in Kenya uh, who identify as LGBTQ, who are facing real violence and real oppression. We pray for their safety. We pray that hearts and minds and the culture there might be changed so that um, people who are LGBTQ might enjoy the full rights uh, and and just human rights um, uh, that come uh, with just being human. And um, we just pray for their safety. We pray for Abe's family as they are working to um, just minister to their needs. And we know that Abe's family is, is processing this as, uh, frankly, evangelicals. We pray for their hearts and minds that they might just be continually converted to the ways of love and justice. And uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I also want to remember um, Angie right now, who's a part of our church, um, uh, and her um, father is, um, as I understand it, uh, needing, I'll just, I'll just put it this way, needing um, serious medical care. I don't want to go too much into it. I'm not quite sure how much she wants us to share, but I want to just pray for her father and her family as they go through this difficult time together. Um, loving God, we pray for Angie, uh, Angie's father, as he is. Uh, needing medical care and just further assistance um, as he ages, but we just pray for his health and well-being and her entire family as they go through this difficult time together and are looking for strength and and hope and um, just knowing how best to care for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so someone put in the chat column, it's worth noting that Abe's family specifically asked Abe for us to pray because he knew that Abe's church was affirming. That's important. And um, I'm also thankful for the transformed hearts and minds towards inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a big deal. Just keep, keep Abe's family and Angie in prayer, everybody. All right. Um, With that, Max, I'm going to turn it over to you. So if you've been with us um, through this year's
1: season of Lent, um, we've been taking our lead from um, There's some wonderful um, liturgical um, thinkers over at um, infleshed.com, So you can check them out whenever you'd like. Um, But they've started a tradition of meditating on a specific word um, throughout Lent. um, And they've helped kind of set some of the guides for that. Um, But what is encouraged is, well, I'll give you the word and then um, some questions around it just to stimulate your thinking, but I will to use this time as meditative, as restful. Um, the prompt says to write something down. I know we have a lot of writers in this community. Um, if you feel so led to do that, please feel free to. You can jot down some words, some thoughts, uh, and a whole poem. Um, the prompt says to do a three-line poem, but it's really a time for you and to focus on a theme around Lent Um, So I'm going to do what I did last week. I'm going to play um, a song in the background and put up the prompt for you to sit with it and read it. Um, But that's what we're doing. Um, This week, our word is courage, um, which seems like a a very apt one this week and in this time. So um, with that, I'll get um, my screen sharing and please just use this time for what is most beneficial to you. didn't grab the sound.
3: Amen Thanks, Max. So today is part four in our Lenten series on the sufferings of Christ, and we're looking at the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And let's read the story now from Matthew's Gospel. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, which means oil press actually, as an olive oil press and he said to his disciples sit here while i go over there to pray he took with him peter and the two sons of zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated then he said to them i am deeply grieved even to death remain here and stay stay awake with me and going a little farther he threw himself on the ground and prayed my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me yet not what i want but what you want then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and he said to peter So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went for the second time and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, arrest him. At once he came up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. So this story marks the beginning of the end for Jesus. This scene in, in Gethsemane is really the beginning of the passion narrative, and it really sets the tone by showing that the depths of Jesus's sufferings in those last 24 hours of his life were not really physical sufferings, but more so spiritual and psychological as he experienced being abandoned and forsaken by everyone, including God. That really begins here in Gethsemane with him begging his disciples to stay awake and to pray with him and to keep watch with him, uh, but to pray with him in his hour of need. And yet they keep letting him down by falling asleep. Then Judas, of course, betrays him with a kiss. Then the rest of his disciples scatter and abandon him when he's arrested, because they're afraid they're going to get arrested too. Thus the scripture, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. These are the depths of Christ's sufferings, being forsaken, betrayed, and abandoned by everyone in his hour of need. But in order really to grasp the depths of that here, I want to share a parable I wrote just last year that I think can help us do that. Now I need to offer a content warning. This involves the story of Judas's suicide. I realize suicide can be a sensitive topic, so if you want to mute me now, please do. It's okay to mute me. Most of us probably know that Judas was so overcome with guilt and remorse after betraying Jesus that he went and hung himself in a tree immediately thereafter he found himself standing before god in heaven terrified that god was going to send him to hell for such an egregious sin he fell on his face crying out please lord have mercy on me god replies softly what are you worried about my dear son you have done a great thing you have played a key role in the salvation of the world by delivering jesus into the hands of his enemies you have made it possible for the sins of the world to be forgiven My will could not have been accomplished without you. Shocked by this, Judas slowly stands and asks, but I was tempted by the devil to betray him. I was paid 30 pieces of silver to do so. I'm a horrible man. No, God smiles reassuringly. You are a great man. I made the devil tempt you. Judas is perplexed, but I thought you would never tempt anyone to do evil. God replies, you're right. I wouldn't. This wasn't evil. It was my goodwill that he should suffer and die. It was also my goodwill that you should betray him. Nothing is out of my control, dear one. Do you have such little faith that you would doubt me and and my wisdom in this matter? Judas finds himself disturbed by God's words and says, but that would mean you, you betrayed Jesus too. He was an innocent man, your own son, no less. And you allowed him to be brutally murdered. You abandoned him in his hour of need, just like the rest of us. Enraged at Judas's words, God thunders. How dare you judge me? I offered you heaven and eternal rewards, and you respond with this insolence and betrayal. I condemn you now to hell forever. With this, Judas screams and disappears. Over the next few hours, God sits on his throne, seething with anger and re- replaying Judas' words in his mind over and over again. He eventually calms and comes to believe that maybe Judas had a point. Finally, days later, overcome by grief and guilt, God finds a tree in one of heaven's many gardens and hangs himself. So this is how I think we should read the story of Jesus's trials in Gethsemane and the entire passion passion narrative for that matter. It's not just that Judas has betrayed or abandoned Jesus or turned his back on him, but everyone has, including God himself. And these are the true depths of Christ's sufferings in Gethsemane and beyond, culminating, of course, in the cross, when Jesus cries out, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the depths of Christ's sufferings. Keep in mind that this too was the meaning of crucifixion in the Roman world. The meaning of crucifixion in the Roman world was that this person has been rejected and condemned By both the divine and human rulers and authorities, by both God and man, as it were. Even the Hebrew scriptures echo this idea in Deuteronomy 21. Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree, meaning cursed of God. Such a person was seen as being completely alienated and cast out from both the human and divine cosmological order. Such a person was regarded as lower than low, less than nothing. It's as if crucifixion or being hung on a tree was an attempt to wipe this person from existence. This is also the significance of Judas's death. So there's this strange connection between Judas and Jesus' death in the text. They're kind of juxtaposed. Both are hung on trees simultaneously. Both are cursed by God and man. In a sense, Christ dies in solidarity with Judas, the most sinful and godless person in the gospels, you could argue. This, of course, makes the crucifixion of Christ all the more strange, how can God die in such a way? How can God be cursed of God? How can God be forsaken of God? How can God be reduced to nothing and be wiped from existence? I think we just gloss over these aspects of the story without giving up much thought or allowing that to unsettle us in any way. If the cross doesn't unsettle us, we're not really talking about the cross. If We're talking, or taking Jesus's sufferings very seriously. So what does all this mean? Well, I think it means a few things. I think it meant to the original followers of Jesus, the first Christians, the audience that first received this story, I think it meant that God stands in solidarity with with those who are labeled as godless, forsaken of God, and cursed of God. Such people back then were the peasant class, the poor, the infirm, the foreigner the outsider, the Samaritans, the so-called sinners and and transgressors. These are the ones that Christ identified with in his ministry. Therefore, for us to be his disciple means to stand with those who are labeled this way today. We must ask ourselves, who are those who are labeled as godless and forsaken by God today? Who, Who among us are seen as subhuman? Who among us are told that their lives don't really matter? In my opinion, that's the LGBTQ community, it's it's undocumented immigrants, it's people of color, it's Asian-Americans right now too, uh, as they're being treated as objects of retribution or, or scapegoats for the virus. I think that's one way of interpreting what it means to be a disciple of the forsaken and crucified Christ. But that's not the only way. For me, this story of Christ and Gethsemane holds special meaning, and to be clear, What I'm about to say might not resonate with all of you, and that's okay. I hold a kind of unorthodox and mystical reading of the sufferings of Christ that come from what's called the radical theology tradition. And I like it because I think it comports with our lived reality, and it contextualizes Christ in a way that makes sense to me in the modern world. For me, the forsaken and crucified Christ is not a picture of an all-powerful God but a God who suffers with us in the world, a God who is with us in the God forsakenness of the world. There's actually a lot of other views of God out there and within church history, other than the all-powerful Supreme Being view, Supreme Being view. You don't have to choose between that and pure atheism. There's actually a lot of other views of God in between there, and ones that don't require the intellectual gymnastics needed to maintain the belief. And a God who could end things like childhood cancer, but strangely chooses not to. Or a God who could have prevented this pandemic, but strangely chooses not to. So I can't believe in an all-powerful Supreme Being anymore, but that's me. And I may be wrong. I think that's important to say. Whenever we're talking about our views of God, we should say, I may be wrong. And I think that's also part of the message today about the God forsaken God found in Christ. Whatever our beliefs about God may be, God is other than anything human cognition can grasp. The forsaken and crucified Christ was so counterintuitive to first century Jewish followers of Jesus, so counterintuitive to both Jew and Greek alike or Jew and Gentile alike we're told by Paul. He was so counterintuitive that he represented an apocalyptic shattering of reality and a reversal of everyone's expectations. Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? Paul muses or or, uh, utters in, in astonishment. Has God not reduced to nothing the things that are, he says. To me, this means there's no simple direct knowledge of God. All theologies are destabilized in the shadow of the cross. We are immersed in utter mystery and unknowing. Therefore, to believe in Christ, to identify with Christ, does not mean that we are united with the answers or that we are united with that which will make our lives complete or that, or, or that which will make us whole. But rather, I think it means that we can live without being complete and can celebrate, the, can celebrate mystery instead of being afraid of it or being oppressed by it. We can face such things with courage just as Christ faced the cross with courage, which I take as a kind of divine affirmation of life as it truly is in all of its difficulties and frailties. In this way, the forsaken and crucified Christ is a symbol to me of God's presence with us in the world as it is, in the so-called God-forsakenness of the world. This is how I see it. And that brings me comfort. Hopefully there's something in there that works for you too. So that's my talk today on the Forsaken and Crucified Christ, the Christ of Gethsemane. Um, does that raise any questions? Uh, anybody have any, any comments about that? Where are you, what, what's your view on all this? For those of you who are new, we always have a little discussion at the end of, uh, at the end of our, our time together. Some weeks, there's not much to talk about, maybe. (laughs) That's okay, too. Well, with that, I think we'll conclude our time together. There's nothing anybody wants to bring up. Uh, Remember, we have a Good Friday service uh, coming up, not this week, but next. Um, And I want to thank you all for being here. You can always hang out and chat if you'd like. But with that, um, I'll formally dismiss us today. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, you're welcome. Good to see y'all. Later. Hey, hey, Doug. Let me unmute you here. Oh, hey, Doug, can you unmute yourself? No, you're not unmuted yet. You're not unmuted yet. I'll just give you a call later. I was gonna, I was gonna call you about um, coming over and having that chat in the front yard. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Hey, Vinny. Um, thanks for stopping by and, and being here today. Thanks for visiting. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the service and what everyone had
2: to say. Was very interesting.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Usually, usually we have more of a conversation at the end, but you know, some weeks, some weeks, there's not much to talk about. And that's cool, too. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, um, I joined a couple of weeks ago, and there was a session on you're talking about the word exile and what, what feels? Uh, yeah, so that was uh, a good conversation. Cool, cool, man. Good to see well, you again, Vinny. You. you too. Have, Have a good great guys. Week. Later.